BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to Me Metarachne. If you are listening to this on Sunday when it airs, I am at camp right now in the Poconos and... I would have just had the best weekend ever. And I think it might be honestly the last camp ever. So if you came, I'm so glad to hear it. And I'm going to do a recap on it when I actually am coming back from it. Obviously, I'm doing this ahead of time, but so exciting. Today's episode is with somebody that I really look up to in the sex, dating, love, etc. podcast world. Her name is Shan Boudram. She's been on the podcast before. If you want to go back and listen to her original episode, she's, but since then, like a lot has happened in her life and we talk about it on this episode. And it was really hard for me to decide which episode to put out this week because I had done a poll on our Instagram. Should I put out the sex when you don't feel sexy episode or should I put out the why you should lower your standards episode, which are two really good topics. So that means we have two really good episodes coming up. This one today, which is the sex one with Shan and next week with a male dating coach named Evan. And we have some healthy debates, which we always love. And he has some really good insight as well. So I think you're going to really benefit from today's episode and next week's episode. But before we get into that, I have to tell you about this book that a follower told me to buy. It's called 101 Questions to Ask Before You Get Engaged. And as you can imagine, it's 101 questions before you get engaged that you should ask. And I went through them and kind of highlighted the ones that I feel like, okay, yeah, you should definitely ask this. I mean, obviously in an ideal world, you ask all of these questions, but some of them are like eye roll, you know, and some are like, oh, wow, you really need to ask this one. So here goes. And make sure you go back and listen to this before you're considering getting engaged or just like make notes of these questions because they are good questions. And maybe you could ask them on earlier dates. I mean, not this one specifically, but what is your greatest fear or concern about being married? So this one is is pretty good because everyone has some sort of fear about getting married, whether they've gone through a, like a traumatizing divorce themselves or their parents have, or they have parents with a great marriage. Because for me, coming from parents with a great marriage, like my biggest fear is not kind of having what they have in a way, right? Like not being able to stay together no matter what bring like life brings. You know, there are other fears, of course, too. I'm sure everyone has them. I don't need to get into all of mine, but I think it's a really good question to ask. Okay, this one I love. 
And it's what have you learned from your previous relationships that will make you a better partner for someone at this time? This is really great because it shows it like separates the men from the boys, the girls from the women, because if you are able to introspectively look back at your relationship and say, you know what? I wasn't so good. I wasn't so tolerant in this relationship in my relationship with you. I am going to be more tolerant or whatever it is. It's a good way to have somebody reflect. Okay. This one is intense. And I feel like not everyone would even agree with what it says, but how it's phrased is when a person marries, they sever the cord of dependency on and allegiance to their parents. If you marry, which of these will be the most difficult to sever and why? I don't know if we're severing all of this, but I do think it's important to make sure that they know. I feel like this is like almost a passive aggressive way to say like, are you going to be able to prioritize me? Even if you know, your mom needs you for X, Y, and Z, but I need you for X, Y, and Z because that's important. Also keep in mind, this book is very Jesus oriented. So obviously avoiding those questions. This one I like, what is there about my life and personality that concerns you at this time? If someone were to say, oh, nothing, nothing at all. Bullshit. There's always something that kind of concerns you a little, even if it's as small as like, well, you're obsessed, you know, you're very like neurotic about cleanliness and I'm just not that clean. And so like, will you judge me? Whatever it is, there's always an answer to that. So, you know, and then another one, and we'll end on this one because I want to talk about the poll questions from this week that were the most interesting, but what is there in your life that you never want to change or that you would never be able to let go of? This is an important one because we need to know what they never want to change so that we don't ever try to change it, but also so that we respect them. Like if someone asked that to me, I'd be like, I never want to change that. I have to be on my phone for work. And if you have a problem with that, like, I'm really sorry, that's my job. And I hate to say it like that. And I would never say it like that, but like, that's something that they need to understand, you know, the person that's with me and it's not all the time, but it is more often than, than most people. So be aware of what you're not willing to change. Now we're going to get into some polls and then Shan. Oh, and I can put up all the questions from that book on our Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon member, you just go to patreon.com slash we met at Acme and you can join. I'm also going to put up a bonus solo this coming month of September. So make sure you're a Patreon member if you want that episode. Okay. This one I'm sure I'll address in the future, but we're addressing it here and now because it was shocking. So someone submitted this question. Guy says, nice to meet you at the end of the date. Is it doomed or no big deal? It is 1000% doomed. And I'm surprised only 49% of people thought it was doomed. It was like basically 50, 50 here. It is definitely doomed if they say nice to meet you. You only say nice to meet you to someone that you never want to see again or in a business setting or, you know, formally at some event, but in a date setting, I personally have only said it was nice to meet you. I actually wouldn't even ever say that. Like, that's how bad I think it is. That's how telling it is. It is like, I never want to see you again. I'm actually curious. I'm going to ask Steven, would you ever say nice to meet you at the end of a date if you wanted to see someone again? Yeah. You just, you, if you want to see them again, you say like, what's the rest of your week like? You know, you make a 
a move towards the future. But nice to meet you. Kiss of death, guys. Okay, this one I love and I just love that we're all the same because the question was, have you ever obsessively kept tabs on a one night stand or random hookup? 55% of you said yes. That includes men and women. And I kind of love that. There's something very intriguing about that like random hookup that doesn't ever become anything because you're like, I literally barely know you. I just like had sex with you, which is like the most intimate thing ever. And I'm very curious what's going on in your life now. I don't know. I think I would say probably more women do this than men because unfortunately, sometimes men's male curiosity ends at the sex thing. But I do think it's interesting that we are all creeps. Okay, this one I've been dying to talk to you about. I think this will be the last one because it's just, it gets me heated. This person submitted a question that said, long-term significant other randomly says, whoever I marry will be signing a prenup. So that's your long-term significant other. And he's saying that to you. What is the problem here? I'll tell you the problem. Whoever I marry to your long-term significant other. It doesn't matter about the signing prenup. Good. You should have someone sign a prenup. Good for you, honey. I'm glad that you think that your stuff is that important. But saying whoever I marry to someone that you're in a long-term relationship is the biggest red flag ever. And it is also so passive aggressive. We hate passive aggression in relationships. It ruins relationships. Like if I actually remember, and I think I've told this story on here once before, but I was on a date with like my boyfriend at the time. And I was telling him that when I like right after I break up with someone, they usually end up like meeting the person that they're going to marry and like being with them. And it's like this weird, like good luck Chuck thing that I have. I don't know if you saw that movie. And I said that to him and I'll never forget. He was like, Oh no, I hope that's not true. Cause I'm like not ready to marry till I get married. Meaning like not only did he infer that we were going to break up, but he was talking about the person he was going to meet after me. And like, was there some sort of joke in there? Sure. But is there truth to every joke? Yes. And if your partner is making references, your long-term partner to whoever I marry or whoever this, that's a huge red flag if they're not talking directly about you. It's one thing if it's in the beginning and they're self-preserving and they don't want to come off like, oh my God, I'm going to marry you. I want to talk about marrying you. And they're like, how do you, you know, when do you see yourself getting married? But if they're your long-term significant other and they're like, whoever I marry will be doing this. Who then? Who are you going to marry? And why the hell am I with you after two freaking years? Anyway, I'm excited for you to listen to this episode with Chan. She is a goddess and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. If you live in New York City or just a place that's loud in general, maybe you're spending the summer with your sister's kids who wake up at 6 a.m., whatever it is, you need a little white noise. And I personally have been sleeping with white noise. Steven and I literally brought our white noise machine everywhere we went, even on summer trips like to Europe, we would bring white noise. But our machine is like janky and not cute at all. And it's like this white no. But then I heard about Hatch Restore and I was like, no way. I'm so excited that this company is working with our podcast because I have been having my eye on the Hatch Restore forever. If you don't know what Hatch is, it's an amazing company that helps you 
or your loved one or even your kids to sleep better. And what is more important than sleep? Like, I truly don't know. I feel like anyone that's just mean, it's mean because they have not had enough sleep. Think of the Hatch Restore as your bedside sleep guide, your ally in rest. It's an innovative all-in-one dream machine, and it's a sophisticated sound machine with light and an alarm clock that's beautifully designed for your bedside table, so you don't have to worry about it sticking out either. It's very chic. And good rest, as I mentioned, like allows you to be a good person. Your hatch restore will teach your body when it's time to sleep and when it's time to rise with light and sound cues. Plus, it coaches you through meditations and mindfulness exercises that transform the time before and after sleep into restful rituals. So you don't even have to take a meditation class. You literally just need the hatch restore. And right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of a hatch restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash Acme. Sleep deeply and wake gently with the restore. Go to hatch.co slash Acme to get $20 off and free shipping. That's an amazing deal. That's hatch.co slash Acme. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Hooray. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. Remember to subscribe. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. So see you then. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with sex and relationship expert and current host of The Marriage Pact, Shan Boudram. Hey Shan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Lindsay, you know our tie is forever with me because my manager met his wife because of you. Shout out to Adam. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I can always take it out, but their baby, their baby is born. The due date is my birthday. How full circle is that? Oh my gosh. They should name the baby after you. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) It's so cute. I love it so much. For some background. So you've been on the show before, but for anyone who's like a new listener, tell us about Shan. Where are you from? How old are you? What's your relationship status? 
Oh my gosh, age, sex, location. This feels <laughs> real 2002, baby. baby. I'm 38 <laughs> years old. I've been talking about sex and relationships for over 15 years now, which feels so insane, but very privileged to say as well. I have a career talking about sex, love, dating, relationships out loud. I try to find really incredibly smart people's information and make it as sexy and as palatable and as useful as possible to the average person. And I am really grateful to have watched this space bloom into what it has today in the relationship sphere and the sex ed and wellness sphere is, you know, what it is today because of the work like people like myself, you know, who back in the day were seen as heathens and terrible human beings. And, and now we all acknowledge this is a beautiful part of life. And one of the amazing spaces that I get to do the work that I am doing that I'm really excited to talk about is a show called The Marriage Pact that's coming out on the Roku channel, August the 4th. And on this show, which actually, let me just start there. Do you know what a marriage pact is? Yeah. So I actually recently did a poll question asking my listeners if they think that a marriage pact is more platonic or romantic. So I'm curious what you think now being the host of the show, like before, before even hosting the show, did you consider a marriage pact when, you know, two friends have this pact platonic or romantic? It's romantic. It's platonic it's platonic plus it's in the middle. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it, right? It's acknowledging we don't really have it right now. There's something in the way of us really wanting to go there with each other. But what we have here is so good. We'd almost be stupid not to. So if whatever's holding us back is not holding us back in 10 years or five years or five months, let's really do this thing for real. So I think that's actually a perfect question because it lands smack dab in the middle somewhere. And the concept of the show is that you have people who are in the middle and they're like, okay, do we either move forward and do this thing all the way or do we go back? I mean, the sad truth is though, you really can't go back once you cross that barrier and you try, the friendship will never really quite be the same. And so you can't try to preserve that, but you can try to make something different. So I think it's a, it's a really fascinating social experiment to watch because a lot of people have had a marriage pact. I'm curious if you've had one. You know, I think when I was like so young, like I feel like when I was 10, like on the, you know, and during recess, like me and a guy were like, let's, if we haven't found anyone else, like let's get married someday. But it was never like with someone that I actually was dating. Yes. That speaks to the ratio on the show. I think only one couple, maybe like a one and a half, a couple of others had had like a thing, but it didn't really blossom. But only one couple was genuine exes. Most people, it was, gosh, this is crazy how much we get along. We have such overlap in our values and our long-term goals. We enjoy each other so much. That thing is not really there, or maybe there's something standing in the way of that thing being there. But if we could figure that out, this could really be something. Yeah. What do you think it is or like what has it been in the show usually that's been holding the couple back? Is it just like a sexual connection? Every couple was different. I think if we went back and asked you on the playground what it was, it could be a sexual connection, which is weird at 10. So maybe you didn't have that (laughs) regardless. But some people it was, they had a mutual friend. So that person, they met because one of the people was dating that other person's friend. So maybe they needed time to go by in order for them to get past that. For some people, it was distance. Like we could do this thing, but we just live so far away. So if we can't find someone locally, then let's really try to go over that massive hurdle. And some people it was like the sexual attraction thing. We had one couple in particular where it was timing. 
at the time that one person was ready, the other person wasn't. And when the other person was ready, the other person wasn't. So like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we obviously can't figure this thing out. Let's set a date that if we're still single, we're just going to say, let's go for it. Despite who's dragging their heels at the time. Do you think that that's smart? Like knowing kind of, you know, you're in a very successful marriage and you know that it has a lot to do with friendship in so many ways. Do you think that that's like, you know, the key ingredient here? It's like, if this couple has a good friendship, then, you know, and a good communication, then that's kind of like gonna work or so much more. I do think that, I mean, there's so many different ways to define a marriage. And I'm gonna say something that's, you know, controversial, but let's keep it real. Very few people realize their full potential in any area of life, right? And we're lucky if you get one. So if you have your dream job, you have your dream family, you live in your dream city, you've found your passion in life, you might not find your 100% dream partner. There is going to be an element of settling that happens somewhere in your life. And that could happen again, like I said, in, in the home that you live or the friends that you have or the family that you were born into. There's an element of acceptance of maybe it's not going to be the best it possibly can be, but it's going to be good enough and I'm going to make the most of it. I do think there's an element of that with marriage packs. Some people, it's not that. Some people, it is their dream person, but they're self-sabotagers. There's trauma that they haven't been able to overcome or there's a roadblock. One of the couples was an age thing. They really worked well together, but the woman couldn't get over the fact that she was so much older than the dude. So it took her, I mean, I won't talk about it more because they were one of my favorite couples to watch because it was this thing that she assigned so much meaning to, but when it comes to actually finding a partner who made her laugh, who made her happy, who aligned with her long-term goals, who brought the best in her. She had all those things, but there was this other idea or trope that she had around what a successful partnership could look like and who should be involved that was stopping her from getting to that potential. So in some cases, I think marriage packs are settling and sometimes it is setting your intention or your sights on what actually matters when it comes to a marriage for you. If you had to settle on one of the topics that you just mentioned, so like friends, your partner, your job, like if you had to settle on one of them, what would it be? Mm, It wouldn't be my partner. That's just been everything to me. Finding the person, there's, I just can't think of anything greater in this world than finding the person who's right for me. It's just so tied to my happy, I could cry. I'm apart from him too. So it's like making me misty just thinking Mm. about it. But yeah, I think that that's not something I would settle on, but that's, I do this for a living. And I I obviously place a lot of high emphasis on um, intimacy. So- it, oh my gosh, I love my career so much. At this present time, if you honestly ask me, it would be my career. I'm almost like thinking of settling right now because I feel overwhelmed by a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, like but settling for you, settling for you is like thriving for most people. I know. Well, I, I'm not settling now. So I just yeah. mean like that's kind of one area which I've been an overachiever and I've done great things in for such a long time. And now that I have a family and, you know, there's just a lot of competing things that are happening that I'm like, okay, I've put a lot of energy and a lot of self-worth into how well I'm able to perform in this area. And that's, it's a little exhausting at times. Yeah. Um, And it's also like, you've proved that in so many ways. Like now, if you were able to do something that makes it work for you, or you could still like be with your family more, it's like, why not? You know, there's a lot of why nots. I mean, cause you want to strive for the best self. I haven't gotten to the peak of the mountain. You know, I still have so much more to achieve. That's a lot of thinking there, but 
God damn it, Lindsay. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I literally will be watching a show. The other day I was watching Too Hot to Handle and you just pop up and it's like, yeah. it's amazing. I'm like, I know her. Okay. I have to ask you, cause I now ask every guest this, what's your favorite romantic gesture? Ooh. Mm. Oh my God. I don't have an answer to this. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's romance? My favorite romantic gesture. I'm really into, I think it's just, I lame as all as it sounds right now. I really just am a words of affirmation girl, which is interesting because I started my marriage words of affirmation being the bottom of my list that I'm like, I don't need that. I exist online. I get compliments all day long. I'm affirmed constantly. And now I think moving into motherhood and I'm just in a very hard time. I have two very small kids. One's less than a year and one's two. So I, I feel like insecure a lot. Am I doing this life thing right? Am I putting my time in the right place? Am I being a good mom? Am I a good lover? Am I enough for anybody? So now when my husband, my husband and I had a conversation yesterday, I was driving home in traffic. My kid fell asleep. So I got to have like a silent dialogue with him. And he was just really pouring love into me and pouring affirmations into me. And like, that was romance. Like that was what I went home and masturbated to. So that's doing it right oh, now. I love that. I've never heard What's of yours. Mas- I've never heard of masturbating to words of affirmation, but like <gasps> I'm obsessed with that. Okay. Let me tell you something that blew my mind on one of our, my lovers and friends, which is my podcast, my baby. One of my episodes, we had Tenariel, who's a singer, a gorgeous, sultry, like once in a lifetime, beautiful human being and beautiful voice. And she was saying that she had sex with this guy and he was just saying, you're powerful you're beautiful, you're worthy, you're made of love, you're lovely, your vagina is God, you are God. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take that over dirty talk. What the fuck have we been doing? And it was such an interesting thing because that's so basic and rudimentary. The people that we're having sex with should be in awe of us and they should like us, but why don't we express it in that plain language? And why was that such a standout experience rather than the norm? Yeah, I mean, I like that, but also like I... It's not that I want to be degraded during sex, but you know how some people like, like to be the opposite during sex, you know? Yeah. I like, I almost would be like, oh, he's too obsessed with me. Like I can't masturbate (laughs) to that, you know? That's funny. I also kind of appreciate that. I had a conversation with Dan Savage and he was like, I like to be objectified during sex. I was like, I don't like objectify. I like degraded because degraded to me means you acknowledge that I'm up here and you're taking me down. Objectified means like you're just othering me and being like, you're a piece of meat. Like, no, no, I'm a queen who in this moment is being a piece of meat, but don't you ever forget that I'm a queen. Exactly, exactly. That's so true. Also, so you said something on the first time we recorded that I have repeated so many times, obviously giving you credit because I'm obsessed with it. We were talking about, I was like, you know, talking about how like a lot of women feel insecure because they hear that like this other woman is like crazy during sex and does these crazy stuff. And like, what if they're like more vanilla? And you were like, well, vanilla is a delicious flavor. (laughs) Do you remember saying that? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) It's so true though. Like vanilla is such a delicious flavor. I love that. And I always thought about that. And you mentioned, you know, having two kids under two, which is incredible, by the way. Like, I don't know how you did that. That's amazing. But I want to hear about like sex after, after that, because I imagine it changed for you. Like, what was it like? What was the difference? Yeah. There's so many answers I can give you to that. There is the positive in which I had more sensation afterwards. Interestingly, I just felt like 
A-spot stimulation and U-spot didn't really work for me before. And then now, like I remember the first time my husband was like giving me like a really intentional like finger job while doing oral. And it was like, I've never experienced these feelings before. So I do feel like it just opened up new potential for pleasure within my body. Definitely shut down my boobs um, because my nipples are just so sensitive and in pain all the time. So I'm excited to, I'm still breastfeeding right now. So it's been three years since my, oh my boobs God. have been a part of sex. <laughs> really, I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding right. um, for the past three years straight. So I, um, I'm i excited to kind of figure that out. And then like, yeah, changes, like the bodily changes have been both positive and negative. I actually don't feel alien in my postpartum body the way that many people have. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to offer a different reality to a lot of people, especially those who haven't had kids who feel like there has to be this trade-off. I don't feel like I had to make that trade. Even after second kids, I'd wear the exact same clothes and I feel like I look very familiar to how I looked before. But there's changes along the way. All that to say, like, all of this kind of goes into your sex life, right? And your time and your priorities, but also the enthusiasm you have for having sex because you have less things for you. You know, where you're, if you're single, you probably get to do a lot of self-care. I mean, people ask me that question all the time. Like what's self-care for you? I'm like, man, this is a big hurdle for me because I was always feeling disappointed that I didn't have time for baths and for nails and for meditation. Sometimes self-care for me is being like, bitch, you're doing all right, keep going. Like, that's all I had that day. So because self-care opportunities are limited, sex becomes more precious for me and it's something more sacred. So I have less sex, but I do feel like the quality of it is different and more intentional. So everything, everywhere, all at once, I think is the short answer for how pregnancy and babies change your sex life. I wouldn't say it's been all for the better. You know, I was watching videos of us having sex before we had kids. I'm like, oh, that looks different. There's a different energy to it that I really like. And watching videos of us having sex after we had pregnancy. I'm away from my partner, so I'm watching a bunch of porn right now. And yeah, there's differences and mm-hmm. neither is better than the other, that they're definitely different and unique and special in their own ways. Yeah. I am not good at shaving my legs. Let me tell you, I just don't care enough for the most part. And I don't always have a good experience, at least in the past. But I was like, you know what? It's summer. It's kind of nasty. People are seeing my legs more. I'm going to shave my legs and I'm going to do it with my new Athena Club razor and their cloud foam. Because first of all, it just looks luxurious. Like it looks like it has upgraded my shower to make it look like it is a hotel bathroom. And I have this amazing magnetic hook that comes with the Athena Club razor, kind of genius and keeps my razor from falling every time I open the shower or like try to pick up the shampoo that the razor is mounted on whatever. It's incredible. And I, I did it. I did it last week. Big deal. I said to Steven, feel my legs. And he was very impressed. And what's so great is that the Athena Club razors all have built in skin guards and they help prevent razor burn while being really gentle on the curves. So for me, it's always been hard to like shave my ankles and shave my knees. But with my Athena Club razor, partnered with the cloud shave foam, which you need to get if you're going to use this. It's so easy to shave all the really hard to get areas too. You also never have to run around looking for blade refills because you can choose how often you want to get your replacement blades shipped to you. And it's 
pretty epic. I personally have the mint color, which is like a gorgeous green minty color. And you should be switching to the better razor and showing your skin that you care with Athena Club. Get started today by shopping in store at Target stores nationwide. Just head to the shaving aisle to find the razor kit, cloud shave foam, wax strips, and razor refills. Well, like what if let's say you're not someone who had a baby, but you just don't feel comfortable in your body, period. How do you enjoy sex? Like with a partner or if you're single and you're, you know, wanting to sleep with someone for the first time, like how do you do it when you just don't feel sexy in your body? I think that you, that's a question you have to answer for yourself, but it's an honest answer. When I feel insecure, what gets me to a place of comfort And I don't mean like confidence, right? Because you can't feel confident. You either are or you're not. So the goal that you're going to move towards is comfort or worthy, right? Like I am enough as I am right now. Could I be better? Do I feel like I'm at my best? No, but I know that I am enough and I'm worthy right now. I actually have an episode of Lovers and Friends coming out next week that I did with Jesse Page. And we talked about the role of insecurities in the bedroom. And I was so torn on this topic because- we were discussing whether or not you should come in and say, I feel bloated. So that's where I'm at today. Or if you do what some of us do, which is you have sex, you don't say it because you don't want to make it awkward. And then you hyper-focus on avoiding positions or angles mm. that would make it apparent that you are bloated. And I don't really know. So I, I think that the pathway to a lot of people sometimes is just leading into their insecurities and letting their partner affirm them that they are worthy or just at least getting it out of the way. So you don't have to spend the entire time trying to do gymnastics so that they don't notice that you didn't shave that day. If I just said it, you already know what it is. Like you get pricked, you get pricked. You consented to this experience. I told you I didn't shave. I think that identify what and how you have felt your best and try to take out things that are out of your control. Right oh, I had an amazing sex this day because I just got waxed and I was on vacation and I've been working out for six weeks or I got a lot of compliments, like those things that are external and outside of your control. But what was in your control that you did that got you there? You know, I was honest about where I was at and I invited my partner to engage with me where I was and who I was that day, not a projection of what I thought I should be. That Mm -hmm. day I turned the lights off. And so that made me feel more free to be freaky. That day I you know, meditated during it, whatever those things are, invite those practices in and don't be afraid if they sound a little unconventional. I think that sex should be a place of freedom. And there's so few places that we get to honestly be free, make the sounds we really want to make, the faces we really want to make, lean into ourselves and our pleasure in the way that we really don't get to in our day-to-day lives. So that should be a space where you allow yourself to let loose and loose looks different on everybody. Yeah. What in terms of like, you know, you having sex with your partner, would you say that every time you do, you make out? And if let's say you don't, like if let's say you don't, is that a red flag? If you just like have sex with not making out, like regardless of like morning breath, forget all that. But like, if you just don't make out, do you think that's weird? It could be. I mean, I'm a big maker router and my husband is not, and he never was like the partner I had before him, me and him had way better makeouts. We were way better kissing compatibility than I do with my husband. And that's just, I always chalk it up to, he doesn't, he's not a fan. He's not a connoisseur of the craft. 
he is like, his nickname is like the oral God amongst his friends, which is so fucking bizarre. But <laughs> his friend made a t-shirt that said oral God on it. And he's like, bro, this is kind of weird. Like, I, I don't think I should wear this, but he's amazing at that. And that's, it's the proof is in the pudding of like how he shows up in that role. So I wouldn't say in my particular relationship, making out is like at the top of the things to do. I love doing it. And if I had a partner who loved it as well and who like wanted to do it just as enthusiastically, I'm sure it would be a red flag if we don't. But it's something that we, I, I, I couldn't even like assess if it's like how high up there it is. But fortunately for him, as much as I love it, I like exploration. I like freedom. I like authenticity. I like orgasm. I like foreplay a lot more than I like makeouts. So the thing that he lacks, while it's important to me, it's not like in my top five of what makes great sex great. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is one that I'm really curious about because I dealt with this when I was first dating my now husband. Like, I felt like it took a long time to really like enjoy sex on my end with him, like to, to have an orgasm. And that's because like my body like needs to get familiar with new partners. And it's not like that for men. Like they are literally coming like when they don't know you, but for me, like that was it. And so many girls will reach out to me and be like, Oh, the sex like wasn't good. Like we did it three times. Like that's it. Right. And I'm like, wait, no, like it could be, it could be way longer. So what do you think? Like, did you experience this as, I mean, I feel like as like, as a sex, like expert, you probably had better sex in the beginning, but who knows, maybe you experienced the same thing. Like, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I love this question because I started out with my husband as fuck buddies and I really wanted a fuck buddy. And that was, I was looking for him. So I just come out of a long-term on and off long distance, toxic relationship And I actually, at the time, was in school for sexology. So I was learning all these amazing things about sex in a dynamic that didn't feel safe in any capacity. So it wasn't sexually explorative. So when I got out of that, I was like, definitely I'm not ready for an emotional connection. I got a lot of work to do, but God damn it, can I have some fun? So I would be auditioning dudes. I would have them come over. I would wear a sports bra and track pants, play Beyonce, vibe out, make out. If I felt there was a good vibe, we'd go forward. If not, we'd back up. So Jared's one of those people who was like kind of in the mix of that rotation. And I was like, oh, this is the dude that I want to fuck. So we started having sex and it was specifically like the whole purpose was a sexual relationship. So I was only signing up for this to feel good. And I was getting back into old routines because I was in this long-term toxic relationship and I'd never really treated myself to amazing sex I think I'd had orgasms, of course, and I'd figured that out and I'd gone to classes, but great partnered sex at the time, I think I had just turned 30, was something that I wasn't, you know, wasn't an aficionado at. So lo and behold, I'm here to have sex. I'm here to have great sex. And then I find myself faking orgasms. And the reason was that my partner was going down on me or Jared was going down on me. And I felt like I was taking too long and I'm mm. still under the conditioning that, okay, well, we have to get to the things that the man's going to enjoy too, because him going down on me is tiring for him. And I'm also getting anxious. Is it even going to be effective for me? So let me just hurry up and just fake it so we can move on to the activities that he's going to enjoy more. And then I was like, one, maybe time three or four that I was about to do this. I thought, what would happen if I just 
didn't fake it and just let it go on for as long as it needed to. If he wanted to come up for air and say, are you almost done? Or what people do when they want you to speed up, like come for me, then I'd get the hint. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. why am I putting a stopwatch on myself or limiting my pleasure or making it only valid if it leads to orgasm when he's never complaining down there? He's never being like, check, please, are you almost done? So let me just see what's going to happen if I just let the clock run out. And we got there. So I was like, oh, okay. And my partner enjoyed it. So that was a cue for me to be like, it's okay that you're taking a long time. It's okay that you have to explore more or give instruction. It's okay because your partner is excited to be there and I'm excited to be on this journey with myself. So that was an unlearning that had to happen for me. And a big part of that, I think, is having an enthusiastic, willing partner who is excited to be on your pleasure potential journey at your pace for your body. So 50% of that is definitely you, but half is fucking people who actually like doing it, not just the people who are trying to get to a destination as fast as possible. Yeah, that's so true because an ex of mine was like the destination fast guy. And he like in the beginning, he had more patience for me having an orgasm because it doesn't take, it's not a short experience. Like it takes me a while. And then towards the end of our relationship, he was like, are you going to come soon? And I literally am not kidding. Like after he did that, I think twice, I never came again in our relationship until like even like, and then we broke up eventually, but like, I never came again after he said that it literally ruined everything for me because anytime we had sex after that, I was like, Oh my God, if I don't come soon, like there's my window, like it's yes, gone. Like he's going to be the hyper focus. And it's like that thing that the, Um, My husband has this saying too, like with water, the more you try to grip it, the less that you can retain. You have to cup it and be gentle with it. And so I think sometimes when we try to get to orgasm, we're we're trying to grip the water and we just watch it slip through our fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny though, because I remember like in the beginning, my husband had heard something that he thought was like good advice on like how to get like, you know, your partner to come faster. And I wonder what you think of this because it was such, it did not work, obviously. And it was like saying like, don't come, don't, don't come. (laughs) Like basically saying the opposite. And I was like, oh no, no, no. That's like certainly not going to make me have an (laughs) orgasm. Um, I can get it. I would kind of enjoy that if somebody was like, oh my God, I'm loving doing this so much that I don't want it to end. Right. You know? Right. I I can get it. It gives you the permission to be like, wow, the person is not, trying to get me there. But I do get, I understand. But yeah, yeah. Case, I don't know if that would work for me either. It's like reverse psychology. I think if it just like, just say you like it. Like, I don't know. I just, you know, kind of going back to positive affirmations and doing it obviously within reason because Lindsay would not be turned on if you were like, you're amazing. But <laughs> tell me that you think it tastes good. Tell me that you think I'm amazing. Tell me that you love pleasuring me. Tell me that you love my pussy. You love how it looks. You love the shape of it. You love being down there. You love eating. Like, tell me that. I think that that just gives me the space to be like, okay, you're having a good time so I can have a good time, which is unfortunate that a lot of women work that way. But um, if you're somebody who is wired that way, I think those words can really go a long way in giving you the space to actually sit back and enjoy it. Mm. I have not been having any sort of digestion during this pregnancy. I have just not been good to my body. It 
it's it's been a bit disastrous. I'm not going to lie. It kind of just stays there. And I cannot tell you how excited I am post-camp to be starting up a Saqqara program again. If you don't know what Saqqara is, they bring expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. They are science-backed, ready-to-eat meals, deliver results that you can see and feel from weight management and ease bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. I personally love their breakfast. Their granola is just so good, even as a snack. I'm still taking their probiotics with my prenatals. They're the best. They really are. And everyone that works there is amazing. And they're always in a good mood. And I feel like it's because they're eating Saqqara. Saqqara is also pregnancy safe, if you're wondering, because they have a lot of food when they give you food. It's not like, you know, just little tiny lettuce leaves. It's actually substantial food and it keeps you full throughout the day, which is really amazing. Plus, if you have a busy schedule, you can choose just breakfasts and lunches, just breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever is working for you. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash Acme or enter code Acme at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme to get 20% off of your first order, sakara.com slash Acme. So what are you waiting for? Another thing that I recently went through is, you know, we had a fertility struggle and I'm pregnant now, which is awesome. But thank you. But it was a fucking journey. And during the journey, sex became like not what it was. And it became like, if we're not having sex to have a baby, because I'm ovulating, like you're useless to me. And I obviously never truly believe that, but there are times when you're just like, I'm tired and I only want to do it if, if we're going to get the result that we both really want. How do you like come back from that? I had a really great episode actually on Lovers and Friends with Deja Riley, who similarly went through one of the craziest fertility journeys that I have ever heard before and became an expert as I'm sure you have too. Like when you have gone through this process, the amount of things that you learn about the human body, the woman's body, you're like, we should have known this all along. So it was a fascinating right. education for me. Similarly, I had um, issues TTC, but six months. So I didn't have to go, go through an intervention, but it was also an educational experience for me to go through that and to learn. But yeah, people don't talk enough about the impacts that that has on a couple's intimate life and their sex life. And I don't have the perfect answer to that question. And that's probably something that I should seek out, but I would love to hear what you did because it was your lived experience. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was like the worst partner during that time in terms of like, when it was time to ovulate and, you know, that window, I was like, get hard, basically. Like, I wasn't like, oh, let me like touch you and ease into it. I was like, are you hard yet? Like, let's go. And like, that is the worst to do with a guy. Like that's, that's going to do the opposite. And then, and then, yeah, it was really hard for me when we weren't, when it wasn't like that time of the month or that window that we had, I was just like, I mean, I'll have sex, but like, I don't even really care. And that just came through. And so like, I was just like, it came through that I was like, I'll do it for you. Cause like you want it, but like, <laughs> this isn't for me, you know? And I think just like that attitude seeps into like the whole journey makes it harder and just like makes it not enjoyable. So I guess what we did instead of 
that like when we finally got over the hump of that was just like trying to have sex at like different times, more spontaneous and not thinking about that. Like, because it's really hard when you're just focused on like you're laser focused on that, but there's no real fix except like you have to chill out. It's usually one partner who's like putting that pressure on it. And it is usually the woman like, you don't really see the man being like, we only have like 24 hours. Let's go. Like, that's just not as common. I'm sure it happens, but it was really more on me to be like, okay, I can still enjoy my partner when it's not for a purpose, you know? Yeah. And I love that because it's something that you had to come to on your own and it's not novel advice, right? But it's, you're going through, I think it's a big part of it too, is giving yourself the grace to go through something that difficult because it is difficult when you spend your entire life trying not to have a baby and then you go to do it because you really feel ready and you feel worthy and it's not easy is, I mean, it goes against everything that you've been told that you're supposed to be able to do as a woman. So giving yourself that grace to like be a little bit nutty and to not do things perfectly and to not know how to manage those feelings because they're so foreign and still so taboo. So I think that that you probably came to the best advice that was anybody's obvious advice, but you had to do it in your time on your terms and probably with some other interventions and support to get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. The last thing that I'm so curious about, because this also plays into the marriage pact, there were like a few situationships on the show. What is your take on situationships? I feel like you're going to say that you're actually fine with them. I hate them, but I feel like you're more open to like the nuances of relationships and like how they begin. I don't know. I don't, I think a situationship happens where we're, we don't know what to call where we are. We've gotten so lost. We're so off the path that we're now in just this like nomads land. I don't really like that. I'd rather be fuck buddies, friends with benefits, dating in a non-committed relationship, an open relationship in a commitment, right? Like I'd rather have something that I can put my feet and say, this is where I'm at and this is what we're doing. I think that also is just helpful because relationships are not just between one person, they're social dynamics. And if I don't have a way to clearly socially describe what we have, it puts me in a really awkward scenario. And it makes me constantly defend what we share. And I don't want to do that, right? Like I want this to be additive to my life in all ways. And if I have to sit you down. Cause I, I think it's so tacky when I got to say it's complicated. Like that just lets me know that it's not working well. It, it dampens my opinion of you, of the person and of the relationship overall. So it's just not additive. So yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I'm a big fan of not, you don't have to rush towards a, a label, but you should have a label for wherever you're at right now. Right? Like I'm not going to sit here and say that me and Lindsay are friends. It's my second time meeting you, but I can say that we're colleagues right? Mm-hmm. Oh, how, how do you know Lindsay? Oh, we're colleagues. We've worked together a couple of times. We both have, we're both podcasters. Are you guys friends? Not yet. I haven't really met her in person, but I think she's cool. So I can firmly, you know, answer that question. I'm not like, oh, it's complicated between us. What the fuck does that mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like, like a healthy, clear dynamic. And I think a lot of people enter into relationships without creating a culture of where am I at? And that's because a lot of people feel the pressure to answer, where do you want to go? And that's hard. You know, I just met you. I don't know if I want to be your friend yet. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that much information yet, but I'm here right now. Where am I at right now? You're the person who I make time for 
to chat with for an hour at a time in a working dynamic. I don't do this for everybody. So there is something to say about that. So here's where I'm at with you today. And here's what I would call it based on that information. Do I know where I want this to go yet? No, don't have to have the answer to both questions, but I should have the answer to the first one. Yeah, I love that. And in my mind, we're friends. Okay. Okay, Okay, we're going to do this fun um, rapid fire poll question. Okay. Your boyfriend of two plus years made fun of your orgasm the first time that you came. And he jokingly asked you, did you have an aneurysm? Is that a red flag or just a bad joke? Yeah, that's a, that's an education experience. It's a bad joke for sure. Mm. Is it a red flag? Oh man. I mean, I'd be like, if you made that kind of error in terms of like sex positivity and sex education and liberation, you're probably a few years behind me. Do I want the job of educating you and working through all the layers of shame and guilt that you probably have, which would cause you to do that? I'd have to ask myself that question, depending on how important good sex was to me. Cause that's just an indicator that like, we're really, we're really on different libraries, let alone different pages when it comes to what good sex means to us. But no, it's not a red flag if the person just like genuinely didn't know and thought that it was kind of funny and cute. And a lot of people, I had a Hannah burner on the podcast and she was just saying that like how woven humor is into her sex life as a comedian. Maybe that person in their previous dynamic, that was a part of it. And self-deprecation was their humor of choice. So that might just be an education or it could just be a sign that this person still has so many layers of embarrassment and of shame and of guilt to work through. And that's a lot of work to work on somebody with. Yeah, that's so true. Your boyfriend will absolutely not even have sex without a condom, even when you're not on your period or not ovulating because he's so scared of you getting pregnant before marriage. He's 38 and you're 34. Is that a red flag? I think it's a turn on. I loved it. My current husband just loved condoms and was variety packs and always had them on deck. And I was like, wow, not that you should think this way, but I'm like, even if they had sex with multiple other people, at least I know that my sexual health is going to be prioritized in this dynamic. And there's something sexy about caring about your body and caring about your future and wanting to do something about that and not, not letting that fall to the wayside or being risky with it because it matters to you so much. Yeah. I don't want it to be a turn off at all. Yeah. Part of me is like, is he married? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's if that's your only clue, though, that you might right, be married. That's right. like there should be other more obvious hints there. No, but it's that. Yeah, that, I think I think that's hot. Yeah. What's more awkward on iMessage? Sending something that you wish you didn't send or unsending a message? Oh, my gosh. I'd unsend in a moment. I get some unsend sometimes and I'm like. Me too. But I'm like, what was it like? I don't mind. I usually just assume that it was just meant for somebody else. And I don't yeah. ever think it's something. Yeah. Yeah. Unsend that. Unsend that bad boy quick. <laughs> In your current or past relationships, have you accidentally said I love you before the I love you conversation? Not in my current relationship. I waited for him to say I love you first. And I was very, very strategic about that. Yeah, I would do Wait is the wrong term. I didn't even let myself think about loving him until he mentioned that he loved me. I didn't even like go there. I was like, I enjoy you. I adore you. I appreciate Mm you. I didn't even let myself do that because I'd done it before in the past. And it was just like, I I didn't like the feeling, which is very immature, I guess, in some ways. No, I don't think it's immature at all. I think that the man needs to love the needs to be more sure of that, that they love the woman more than the woman loves the man for it to work. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure it works out both ways. I just didn't like the feeling yeah. of loving somebody out loud before they were sure they're ready to do the same. And right. I didn't like, I think a big part of relationships is not just who you date, but it's who you show up as in the dynamic. And I always want to rig the system so I don't become the insecure, awkward, mean person that I can be when I don't feel like my best self and I don't feel confident. So sometimes those little tricks that I do are even less about like, you got to say it first and more like, I don't want to put myself in a position to be a shitty human being in this relationship because now I feel weird. That's such a good way of putting it. He's 30, but he's never had a professional haircut and his mom is the one who cuts his hair. Red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never successfully integrated with the mom dynamic. I just think it's naturally a competitive role. And I'm in someone who's into open relationships and that's one level of open that I haven't seen successfully done. I should actually do an episode about that. Like the role of mothers and sons and like how you can positively, it's hard to do because when you're with a man, the mom is always watching what you do because she's secretly Mm. competing with you. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could do it, but uh, you should do it for me. And then I'll listen. Oh my God. No, please, (laughs) please do it. Please do it. I need to listen. If a guy doesn't respond to your message on a dating app, can you message them again or nah? Nah. Yeah. You saw that. If I, if you forgot, I can look for another organic, different even platform, like on Instagram, you can move to stories if you so do desire. But I'm just pretty big on like, again, preserving my right to feel confident. And if I have to double message you, the way that I'm going to show up, even if you do come up afterwards is with a sense of insecurity and doubt. I'd rather right. just wait for me to cross your mind and you to go to the message. Like, oh my God, I totally didn't even respond to her last thing. Right, right, right. If Kim Kardashian was into you and wanted to date you, would you do it even if you don't date women? I just feel like, oh my God, the like career person in me, which is the only, that's the only, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I'm like what an amazing opportunity. It's like dating yeah. Kanye West. Like yeah. you're going to blow up. Like you're right. going to except be dating everywhere. Kanye right now, not so much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You are you still mean. gonna, it's still gonna happen. I actually would love to interview Julia Fox about her. Like, what an insane experience, right? Like the amount of exposure and attention and awareness right. that they offer is positive and negative. And you'll never. The hard thing is, is that you'll probably always be known for that, but you'll be right. known by everybody. That's not yeah. the answer to the question. No. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Of course. I'd like to be. Yeah. I actually, I know Julia, so I'll introduce you if you actually want to interview her. Yes, please do. I asked, that was, what a fascinating time that was. So insane. That was wild. It's also like COVID. I feel like everyone was like desperate for some sort of story of something happening. This was so amazing. I love talking to you. I could do it all day, but I know you're so busy. Can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice, something we can take away? Man, what is the most impactful I'll just say my favorite recipe for all the conversations that we're having right now around what makes a good relationship, fair trade plus mutual advancement. So if you're trying to gauge right now whether the relationship that you're in is a good one, do you like what you're giving and do you like what you're getting? And do you feel like you're moving forward and you're helping the other person to move forward as a result of that? That's a good pairing. I love it. Where can everybody listen to your podcast and watch you on the Marriage Pact? Watch the Marriage Pact is on the Roku channel, which is free. It's a free app that everybody can download and watch. If you have a Roku, you probably already have that present. It's so much fun. And this is a reality show that's actually real. 
I have long been a part of different shows, but as we know, they tend to be less about finding love and more about finding a following, kind of like mm-hmm. dating Kim Kardashian, right? Like mm-hmm. the motivation to be there isn't, is this my person? And that's what we're really signing up to watch. We want to watch people do the thing that we all you know, can relate to. So this show is real people with real histories and you get to watch a dynamic that maybe, you know, you fantasized about having when you were 10 years old on the playground and you get to see it play out amongst people who are truly invested. And it was a joy to make and a joy to watch. And I cannot wait to talk about it with the community. Awesome. And where can everyone listen to Lovers and Friends? It's on iTunes and Spotify? All the things, wherever you're at right now, just go ahead and type in Lovers and Friends. You can find that too. And also listen to our previous episode on We Met at Acme. Yes. I'd love that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chan. Thank you. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.